Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. Bo was listening in the previous hour. He had a few things he wanted to get done on. And I was talking about the kind of not letting a crisis go to waste, which is the the, the way the left advances most causes. Bo, welcome to the show. How the heck are you today? I'm well. I'm well. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I am. Uh, I appreciate the conversation, and I wanted to um, – sorry, my radio is not clear here yet. I'll um, just I wanted to bring turn it up. down or off. Let's see. Is that better? Yeah. You sound fine. Uh, just, I wanted to turn it down or off. Hello. Are you there, Bo? That's better. There you go. Uh, so I wanted to bring up uh, some of the crises uh, issues that uh, the, the left brings to us um, and the ones that they just refuse to, to look at. And obviously the biggest one that uh, they refuse to make a crisis is the one that's killing 70, 80, 90, 100,000 Americans this year. Um, and that's the, the fentanyl coming across our southern border. Um, I I'm epically cannot understand why that is not a national crisis. Um, we have a crisis in our um, democratic cities, particularly like Chicago and Baltimore and New Orleans, uh, where uh, we kill thousands of people every year with guns, um, with black on black crime. That is a crisis. It is ongoing. It doesn't happen one day, one devastating crime. It is a crisis. But we don't address that because you're racist if you say that we have a crisis issue with black people killing black people in Chicago. We have a crisis with um, um, uh, people not getting married or not staying married um, and, and uh, becoming families so that their children are taken care of and that they grow up to actually be producing adults um, who are not confused and have a background and ability to be able to grow up and, and, and become, uh, uh, you know, have a life as an adult. Uh, that's a crisis. Those crises um, are unequivocally unimportant. Um, but we take a, a horrible crime that is a one-day event, and we turn that into a quote-unquote crisis to try to take advantage of it. Uh, the, you oh. know, the last monster crisis that they took advantage of was COVID. We look at yes. um, having to give a shot to every person under 17 years old in this country um, that is an unproven shot. And in COVID, over three years, we had a total of 1,700 deaths, zero to 17 years old, uh, and half or more of those people would potentially have died from another disease because they were already immune compromised, which caused the death. Um, They made it a crisis so that people from 18 to 29 had to have that same shot. Um, And we had the same type numbers where we had 17,000 total deaths from COVID over three years for that era of people. and it's just once again, you know, the, the left takes advantage of these quote unquote crises that they make um, 
and it's I don't know where we. Well, they're not manufactured. They like you know the the right likes to cat. They they have their red meat issues. You know they're going to tax you out of existence. They're going to take your guns. They, they they but that's more of a consistent messaging with the the right. The left loves to take a, a horrible event and then masterfully. Ex, you know, multiply it exponentially, make it much larger. You're right. The number of fentanyl deaths is 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 a is a pandemic in and of itself. A pandemic that's that's killing our youth across the country. The inner city violence, absolutely, but it's consistent and it stays off the front pages. It's in the front page in Detroit or Chicago, but not not across the country where folks in Texas and and Georgia are upset about it. The inner city problem is a rot and a decay and a value system that's broken down. It doesn't fit the left's narrative to deal with that. The the southern border is a crisis. You you didn't mention, but we have a bunch of these. But these are. Yeah. A serious problem, even healthcare. The the left acts like healthcare is only about Medicaid and the Affordable Care Act and and Medicare. That's it to them. It's not that oh, it's costing us way too much money to deal with this, and it's it's horribly uh, systemically destroying itself and and ruining lives. It's not enhancing our lives at this point. They don't want to deal with that because it's not. It doesn't fit. You know, the only way they'll deal with healthcare is if they can turn it into socialized medicine. Then that's what right. they did. And, and Obamacare was one step in that direction. But, man, I, I, yep. Bo, I appreciate the call. Hey, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I, I believe our, our next caller, i th- I got to get this right. I want to make sure. I think it's Fred, but I want to make sure of that. Did I get it right? Fred, welcome to the show. How the heck are you? Hello, Chad, Fred. How are you today? I am wonderful. Fred, are you still there? And, uh, yes, I can hear you. you- you kind of faded out for a second, so go ahead. I'm there. Go ahead. Okay. I heard Dale Falwell speak at a Rotary Club several years ago. He was in the uh, administration after Beverly Purdue. He was in charge of the Employment Security Commission. At that yes, time, sir. that fund was upside down millions and millions of dollars. He held up two pieces of paper. He said, this is the paper that the unemployed fill out when they're applying for benefits. And as you will see, they always, or a lot of people, put down no work available. And then a form is sent to the employer to verify that. Well, in North Carolina, the law was, if the employer didn't follow back and reply that they deserved it or that that the statement was true, the state automatically started paying them unemployment benefits. And once they started paying them, it could not be stopped until it ran out due to for the, whatever the, the law was at that time. The only problem was they were sending out the forms to the employers after the 30 days had passed. And we were upside down in North Carolina with uh, with this fund trying to give these people, needed people, money because undeservedly people were getting it. And that right. administration, Dale Falwell, got it worked out. He stayed on top of it. And now you see where we are in North Carolina with our finances. I would but vote he doesn't for get, Governor. Yeah, he doesn't get the kind of attention. He's not flashy. He's not, nope. you know, overly charismatic. You know, he's overcome a lot of obstacles in life. I mean, he, he, he's had some personal tragedies that are unbelievable. Me losing a son. I, I can't imagine well, I how they followed, got past that. But I have he followed is, him 
I followed him ever since then somewhat any chance I got to hear him would speak on the radio and he's he's not flashy but he is a no-nonsense nuts and bolts kind of guy that will get the job done I think he I hope he's got a chance to be elected because he would be a great governor and he would get uh, that part of North Carolina government in shape thank you and I appreciate your efforts today Oh, well, thank you so much. I appreciate the call. Now, uh, I tell you what, I, I want to hold Bo, I mean, uh, Dan. Dan, please stay with us because we need. I'm going to be up against a break in a second, and I don't. I, I do not like trying to, to cut somebody off in, in mid-conversation because then they lose their train of thought and it could go sideways. And we want you to, to get the opportunity to say what it is you want to say. We've got many more topics to cover today. We will definitely get to Dan. We will get to some of this medical stuff. We will get to, uh, I, you know, one of the things that happened is this China-Brazil situation where they've now, uh, China's working with Brazil to get rid of the American dollar, and they're doing a bang-up job about that. Dan, you have been patiently waiting and hold Welcome to the show. What's on your brain today? Good afternoon. How are you? I am fantastic. First, first let me say thank you for filling in for my cousin Vinny today. Uh, you're doing a great <laughs> job. Um, I'm curious to know how many of your listeners believe, as do I, that somewhere in either Switzerland or in the Cayman Islands or in Germany somewhere, there's a very special savings account with the name of Uncle Joe or Slow Joe or Jozo or the big guy or whatever you want to call him, into which every time somebody has gotten a COVID vaccine, either Moderna or Johnson & Johnson or whoever, drops a handful of change into Joe's account. I have believed that well, from that- the very beginning of his mandates, and I still think it's true. Well, I, you know, remember that the, the vaccine started before Biden was in office, number one. Oh, so it was during Trump's time that it came about. Now, I think there's plenty to – let me start this. I'll say it this way. First of all, I love conspiracies. I love them. I love them. I love them. That mean I, I believe in them. Conspiracies are very difficult to pull off because keeping people on the same page with an narrative is very difficult. Have they happened? Yes. Going back to Kennedy or Roswell or any number, there's all great conspiracy theories. With respect to the, the COVID situation and Biden getting a penny nickel dime for every vaccine given, I, I think the Biden, what I've seen of the Biden uh, crime syndicate, I don't think they're that bright. I don't think they're that uh, they're they're that capable. You know, what I've seen is a bumbling, drug-addled, uh, whoremongering cokehead that was able to trade, you know, to, to trade on the family name to get favoritism from corrupt companies and oligarchs in countries that are our geopolitical enemies, and then take that money via Hunter and get the uh, cousins and brothers involved. And they have a very beautiful, uh, not very ornate way of funneling money for people who are not very talented and to curry favor with the guy that is now president. I think that that's enough of a conspiracy. You're absolutely right. I have to cave to that logic because the guy's not smart enough (laughs) to walk with an ice cream cone or ride a bicycle. Right. Uh, Yeah. And And you've got a point there, and I hadn't thought that completely through, but you're right. As far as being a a real crime boss, he's not up to the game, I don't think. No. And, and it's just that he's been in government forever. And there's money to be made by families. If you ever notice, there's, I had a good friend who was an economist who once said to me, he says, a lot of, you ever notice that people run for government office to do good and they end up doing well? And I had to let that sink in for a little while because you're right. You look at the Obamas, the Clintons, the Bidens. These people get into public service and become 
uber rich. And and that's well, no uh, affliction toward why anybody would spend four million dollars for a hundred and fifty thousand dollar job. <laughs> that's exactly the point. They don't, and then they you know uh, bitch and complain about climate change, and then buy beachfront property in Martha's Vineyard or Hawaii or Florida. And it's like, right. well, wait a minute, that, get... it's great. Hey, I appreciate you taking my call today. Man, anytime. You, yeah, I love callers, and Dan, uh, thanks thanks for the call. So again, the phone number, 570-1110. That's area code 704-570-1110. And you, you know, I, I, there's so many different areas that, that you can go in. We've been talking about the gun violence, and, and something has happened while we've been on air in the state of Tennessee. Now, the protesters did storm that Capitol. And the storming is that someone's going to take issue. Chad, you're, you're just trying to make things worse. Storming. Well, they, they went through the police and they went into the Capitol building. So by the left's definition, that's kind of storming the Capitol, isn't it? And it wasn't like the police opened the door for them to get in. So there is a protest that apparently got out of hand in Tennessee. And the media, you can look at it live on Twitter. You can see it. By the way, if you want to follow me on Twitter, it's Chad underscore Adams. You can find me, Chad Adams Perspective. But the media, I'm looking, I've, I've got searches constantly going while I'm on air here. And, and even the Tennessean, it's trying to give a narrative of, well, there were protesters. It was a vigil last night. Joe Biden was there, and they yelled at legislators, and a few of them got in the building. But if you look at the film, the live film video that people are posting, it doesn't look very pleasant <laughs> what's going on inside that building. And if you've ever been to Tennessee, you go to Nashville, the Capitol building is it's the highest point in, in Nashville. It's up on this beautiful sea, uh, hill that flows down to these really nice parks at the base of the hill but it doesn't look very pleasant and it's again an organized knee-jerk reactionary demand for them to do something and and and, you know it's like you must pass something because these this horrible act took place we can't reconcile it it doesn't make sense to us but it's interesting of all the aspects of this shooting and there are many there are layers there's a circumference there's Venn diagrams for a Kamala Harris way. She loves Venn diagrams. Circles at all. But there, there's plenty to look at here. They, the, the police haven't even released the manifesto. You've got people that are demanding laws be changed in the shadow of a horrific shooting without even knowing the motives of the shooter or what happened or what led to it. That we, we don't even know. Knowing what happened is kind of instrumental in solving problems. In fact, 90% of solving any problem is knowing what the problem is first. And that's one of the problems with these horrific shootings that, that, that capture the minds and, and hearts and minds of people and make them uh, act crazy. Is they don't, they're not, don't, don't, my mind's made up. Don't confuse me with the facts. And 90% of the time, remember these protesters, a lot of these are reactionaries that swing into action. Whenever there's a problem, they swing into action. You saw this with the burning of cities in the wake of George Floyd. A lot of protesters brought in to incite things. It's, it's not a pleasant situation. It's unfortunate, and, and, and it's a professional way to organize and structure what you really want. The left really wants massive gun control. They've always wanted that, so they're ready. They're almost wishful that something bad would happen. It's kind of like the irony of gun sales. Gun sales always increase when Democrats like Obama or Biden are elected because there's a fear that gun rights are going to be taken away, so gun sales increase dramatically. So if you're a gun manufacturer, good news when Democrats get elected, ironically. I love irony. When Republicans are elected, they feel like, hey, I'm going to be able to buy ammo. I'm going to be able to buy a gun. 
So it, it is kind of this perverse way in which we look at politics. All right. Are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for a military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old school traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim. He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time. American made because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear, Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. 570-1110, you want to get on the conversation. It doesn't have to be about what we've talked about. It can be about what you're talking about or what's on your brain. Because you're being, you are the receiver. You are the audience, not just for talk radio. You're the audience for the mass spectrum, the, the instrument of mass distraction that is media today, the, 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 the clickbait that pops up on your phone, your computer, your iPad, whatever device you choose as part of the way you get through the day or when, when you're driving to and from work, if whatever podcast you might be listening to or radio broadcast, this show, the, your attention is what everyone's after. Your anger is what everyone feeds on. It's, it's the beast. It's the beast of the machine that they're feeding on your anger. They need your anger. They need you to be angry. Because there's no real money to be made in you being peaceful. There's no real money in, in you being happy. Unless it's Christmas, then you gotta buy stuff. But generally speaking, that's what this 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 rage you've never seen and and it's almost phenomenal to see the first world nature of our problems now. I mean, indoor plumbing, we have electricity, we have lights. When you walk into a room, I I've Every time I walk into stores, I'm amazed, especially grocery stores, amazed at the sheer diversity of products that are available for me in the free market that is this great country, or at least what's left of it. The choices you have, the the problems your kids don't have to deal with, juxtaposed against the problems your kids, unfortunately, do have to deal with. When did drag queens in school become a thing? When did the the gender nomenclature become such, such a necessary part? of a child's life. Since when did all of these issues that have nothing to do with teaching them about the world become so important? And it became important because of this narcissism of social media and media in general that's making people get ginned up about things, I guess because they have the time. Most people throughout history, you kind of had to work. You couldn't just drop what you were doing and show up at a protest. You couldn't. You wrote your legislators. You wrote them. You contacted them. You didn't just storm the Capitol, whether, whenever it is. I don't care, left or right. Storming the Capitol, not a way to get things done. Doesn't work well. Doesn't play well. Unless the media covers for you, in which case burning a city and calling it a mostly peaceful protest is an effective way of doing things. Should never be the way things are done. But it's but it's very hard to have good discussions, you know, productive discussions. I'm just, I'm just kind of amazed. I was looking, I, you know, I've been fascinated. It's not as sexy a topic, but your healthcare is something that's very, every one of you cling to that insurance if you have it, as if it's healthcare. It is your lifeblood. And most of you that are looking at retirement, you're like, well, okay, well, I have my health insurance now. I'm working or whatever. But as I approach the retirement age, what am I going to do? I got I to gotta live long enough to get to what? Medicare, I got to live long to get some coverage there, and I got to 
piece it together. I don't even know how do we, how do you budget? How do you budget for healthcare in the future? Your hospitals are not helping. The entire structure of, of organized healthcare in this country is it's not a, it's not healthcare. It's not a healthcare system. It's a health business. It's not about healthcare. And the left says, well, we just need to socialize it. So they do everything they can to break the private sector side of healthcare. They diminish competition. The Republicans in North Carolina go along with it. Say, oh, yeah, we have certificate of need. That'll prevent competition. We don't want competition. It might bring prices down and expose people to new technologies, a new way of doing things. Greater access at lower cost. So when I'm watching this on the healthcare side, and then what it's doing to us, and it is becoming. Back in the day, you knew you could take your kids. You know, think about it. If you had, if you have kids, or if you're in the in your fifties, when you were a kid, your mom and dad took you to the doctor, went to the doctor, paid the doctor, and you left. It wasn't fancy. There weren't computers buzzing about and figuring everything out. Actually, you know, it was. You went to the doctor, you got treated, you went home. Now you have no way. If I were to tell you what does an X-ray cost you, you have no idea because you don't know the codes. You don't know the codes. You don't know the costs. And most hospitals don't know the codes because it's some kind of configuration between insurance and the hospital in which they pretend to lower your cost. Really, they're not lowering your cost. They just act like they're lowering your cost. It's inflated to start with. We don't know what we're paying. We are being consumed by it. And the left, the political, you think they're knee-jerk reactionaries now? Wait until they, they know they can get the votes to pass socialized medicine. They crossed a little bit of a threshold here in North Carolina where they convinced a bunch of willing Republicans to say, hey, Let's pass Medicaid expansion. Let's do it. Let's put hundreds of thousands of more people. By the way, standing invitation to any member of the House or Senate. I've sent it to both to come on Pete's show. Pete, more than happy to, to talk to Republicans about why they support this. The, 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 the note is into Phil Berger's office. He is the president pro tem of the Senate. I, I personally communicated with his staff, spoke to them, and wrote a letter to them. My people, they're welcome to come on. If you know this, this host, and a few of you know me now, I'm going to treat those guests fairly. We're going to ask them questions about why they did it. But let me. This is from the LA Times today, in the midst of all this other stuff that's happening. During the pandemic, healthcare cost, usually a main driver of U.S. inflation, remained surprisingly stable, rising just about 2% annually, even as prices for many goods and services soared more than three or four times that rate. But signs are emerging that medical inflation is back as demand for non-COVID-related health services Recovers and healthcare providers seek to make up for soaring labor costs and losses during the pandemic. Prices for hospital services, the single biggest component of medical care, in case you didn't know, accelerated in December, even faster in January, to an annual rate of 5.5%, according to personal consumption expenditure data, the Federal Reserve's preferred measure of inflation. Unfortunately, it's going to be a problem that's pretty sticky in terms of consuming more and more consumers' pocketbooks says Samet Patel, Chief Actuary for Health and Benefits at Mercer Consulting Firm. Consumer cost increases for nursing homes ran at slightly higher at about 5.7% over last year. Dental services, even faster. Hospitals are pressing for higher payments as their long-term contracts with medical insurers come up for renewal. And greater market concentration caused by chains buying out smaller hospitals is helping to push. In other words, less choice, less competition, higher costs. And in North Carolina, the monopoly, the hospital cartels are protected by the General Assembly, who won't allow competition through the certificate of need. It's a rigged game. And look, I'm all about freedom. Unleash the power of the entrepreneur. Unleash the markets. Don't shackle them. Unleash them. And at some point, we've got to get away from thinking that health insurance is health care. It's not. 
but we cling to it as if it is, and it's not. We've got to understand what we're paying. Imagine going to a car parking lot and going to pick out a car and having no idea what it costs. Someone else determines they won't give you a straight answer. Next time you go to the hospital and fill out forms, ask them how much services are going to cost. Most of them have no idea. Next time you go to the doctor, how much is my physical going to be? I don't know. People at the front desk handle that. What if I paid cash? And believe it or not, there are a few places that will take cash right there. And it's a lot cheaper. I had an entire heart calc, calc test. Paid cash. It was like 120 bucks. It was unbelievably cheap. I could not believe it. An MRI of my heart reviewed my liver functions, everything. It was amazing. But again, didn't involve insurance. I paid cash. These are the kind of things we're up against. And, and it's going to get, it's already eating companies alive, and it's in the background. As we're trying to recover, you think about who uh, food costs, you're thinking about you know housing costs, these things that are popular in the market. Healthcare costs are rarely discussed. You know, people want, hey, they want Obamacare. They got in the open market. But if you look, even the Obamacare plans, if you have a chance to ever look at those, healthcare.gov, they've gotten worse and worse and worse. The plans have gotten worse. You used to have gold options, bronze, silver. That's like silver and bronze, maybe only bronze by now. I don't know. But it's so much worse because, and it's so much more expensive. And it's not getting better. And it's broken. It's beyond, beyond broken. Just, just unbelievably so. Until recently, healthcare bills weren't really a concern for Rex Thomas, retired U.S. Postal Service maintenance mechanic. They weren't anything like his soaring gas and grocery bills, including the 40% more he's paying to feed his two dogs. But even as inflation on many things has been declining, he's noticed his health bills moving in the opposite direction. As open enrollment last fall, he learned his union-sponsored Cigna Health Plan premium would cost him 4.8% more this year after increasing 3.5% the year before. He had to switch to another plan. That's taking it out of your bottom line. And don't think. And, and, the, and the hospitals are not committing to making this more affordable. They're committing to keeping you in the dark as much as possible. Uh, appreciate y'all being a part of the broadcast. 704-570-1110. 570 here at News Talk 1110-993. WBT. Zach, you've been on hold. Jane, we'll get to you in a second. Zach, you know, you want to talk about Obamacare. Go ahead. What's on your brain? Yes, sir. So little time. Uh, it struck a nerve. If if you are qualified for Medicaid, at that point in time, there is a law that was written into Obamacare that you cannot go out and get regular insurance. Uh, once I had an extensive surgery uh, about four years ago, and they qualified me for uh, they qualified me as disabled. I, I'm still working. I can't live off this uh, disability. But right once you're qualified as disabled, and they put you on Medicaid. There is a law written into Obamacare that regular insurance cannot pick you up. My wife is a nurse. I cannot go back on the Blue Cross Blue Shield that she carries because I qualify for Medicaid. It, so it all is. These look, that I, I was getting ready to put on Medicaid. All these people they're getting ready to put on Medicaid once they qualify for it. It's it's actually written in a law. It's going to be illegal. For them to actually go back and get regular insurance, it's it's kind of weird because it's almost like a state by state thing. Like in New York, you can have private insurance and you're not disqualified from receiving Medicaid. But and if you're in Alabama, I, I, live, in South Carolina. I live in South Carolina. Right. So it's it's just different, and again, that's one of the problems with it. It's just rather bizarre, and and uh, 
And then you have a marketplace plan, which is the, you know basically kind of a private sector. You can have both a marketplace plan and Medicaid, go, but you're I not eligible. I can't go on marketplace. I, yeah. I can't says, go on marketplace. But you're not eligible. You see, you're not eligible no, to receive an advance payment of the premium or tax credit no, or any sir, other cost once, savings. Once, yeah. No, sir. Once you qualify for Medicaid at that particular time, now I, I could go in there and say, I, I no longer want to be on Medicaid and give it up. And then at yep, that point in time, because of my medical condition, I can go out and pay $600 a month for, for insurance. And the $600 a month, by the way, is the subsidized rate. The actual rate is really $1,300, $1,400, $1,500, $1,800 a month. That's, that's the yes. subsidized. You're right. That's, yes. It's obscene how much it is. That's on the marketplace. You get it maybe as low as that, but the actual rate is... That, that that's Ridiculous. what I was talking about. That if I go on marketplace, but yeah, and, and this is really crazy. Um, I was on Blue Cross Blue Shield when I had my, and like I said, it was an extensive surgery. Once I had that surgery, I'm grandfathered in, and Blue Cross Blue Shield is still covering the expenses for that pre-existing condition for that one. Yeah. Okay, but I but I'm I'm no longer on Blue Cross Blue Shield. They're covering for the, for, like I said, I'm grandfathered in. But at this point in time, any medical treatment that I get for this point forward, it's Medicaid, and I can't qualify for any insurance, even on Marketplace. Unbelievable. Once, I mean, it's, it, it, it's a mess. Medicaid, you're stuck there. And then you have no. And here's the thing: not it's not. This is not directed at you. It's directed at all of us. None of us have any idea what things cost anymore. We don't even and, know what things cost. Yes, sir. Now I went to a doctor that I have, and and this has been since the surgery, underneath Medicaid right now. I had a thirty-seven dollar uh, initial visit fee, and at this point in time, uh, they just look at me and say, Medicaid covers it all. How much do I need to pay? Can I get a bill? No, we send it to Medicaid. Right. They, they have ridiculous. And, and, sir, I would love to go back to my Blue Cross Blue Shield. At that point in time, uh, all my the, the co-payments and everything like that, I understand and accept. But Zach. I have to go to specific doctors that are Medicaid-approved. Right. And as fewer doctors are taking it. But, Zach, I appreciate the call, man. Uh, I, I, thank you for sharing that. And uh, I got to go because I got to get to another call. Jane, you've been on hold as well. Welcome to the show. How are you today? Uh, yes. Uh, I just want to put a good word in for Dale Farwell. Uh, I, had a, I had a TV show for 28 years here in Charlotte. I produced the show. And I did a lot of investigating and, and uh, into all these people I put on the show. I, put a lot of, I got a lot of the people for the state to come on because I felt like if we got good people on the state, our state would be okay. So I did a lot of investigating, and I did have Dale Falwell on, and after and he was on for years. But I want to tell you, he is a great guy. He, he is a real deal. He sued the hospital here because we in North Carolina, here in Charlotte, pay more more hospital bills here are higher than anywhere in the state. He went after them. So what I'm trying to say is he is honest. He is fair. If you have a problem, he will try to solve it. 
Uh, he's not a flashy type of person, but you know what? He will get the job done. He's honest, and I truly believe our state would be in much better uh, situation if we had Dale Fowle as governor. I can relax because if we get our if we don't get good people in the state, we're sunk. And that's why I did all that investigating. I did all of that reporting, and I'm thinking about going back next year because if we don't get a good governor on and good people and a tenant governor and this type of thing, uh, well, we're going to be one of those states that's not doing well, and we need to get we need to get good people. We have good people out there, but we need to elect them. We do, and I, and I appreciate that. I, you know, having known D- uh, Dale or the treasurer for about 20 years now, or maybe a little longer than that, about 23 years, I, I can concur with you. He's very down-to-earth. He's very different. He's not your typical politician in any way. So I appreciate the call. Thank you. So, Jane, thank you for the call. And uh, Zach, and all the callers today, amazing callers. Again, I've said from the, the beginning of my first entrance into WBT a little over a year ago, uh, what an amazing audience. Always been an amazing station for all my time, whether I was at WWNC or down at the coast of the Big Talker. Uh, always the, the, one of the, if not the best station in the state from a talk radio delivery of opportunity for callers and hosts alike. And we, we, we the hosts are, are very different. The hosts are very, and, and a lot of talent on WBT. The staff is talented. The management, they, they're all just exciting to work with. It's all, it's always a blast for me. One of the things I wanted to leave with you um, is to give you an example of the kind of bias that you find in me. It's just a short, quick one. Is that so? Brian Murphy is is a, a reporter. He's a sports guy with WRAL, the, the state the state's largest TV, and he posted a picture, and it was um it was showing the Republicans presenting their budget, and he tweeted, "Always wonder about the optics of having eleven white men presenting the House budget plan for a state as diverse as North Carolina." Now, if you just take that, that's one of the most racist things. You can put out there that basically if you're white, that something that you're not capable of thinking about the diversity and amazing nature of North Carolina. But that's the kind of stuff that passes for for acceptable these days. And it's just it's just absurd. So, again, thank you. It's been a joy. It's been an honor. It's been a pleasure to be a part of this broadcast. I'll be back tomorrow, noon to three. Much more to go, as always, on WBT. Do stay tuned. Have a great day.